وَقَالَ لَهُمْ نَبِيُّهُمْ And their prophet said to them, إِنَّ اللَّهَ Indeed Allah قَدْ بَعَثَ لَكُمْ He has in fact appointed for you طَالُوت طَالُوت مَلِكًا as a king He said to them that Allah has appointed طَالُوت as a king for you. You asked for a king, Allah has appointed طَالُوت as king for you. Who was طَالُوت? He was a person from the Bani Israel. And that's all we need to know. Yes, of course. We learned that he was very knowledgeable. He was very capable. And definitely in his uh, deen, he was also good, which is the reason why Allah selected him. Right? So their Prophet said that Allah has chosen Talud for you as a king. You wanted a leader? Here is a leader. But they weren't ready to accept him as a leader because they wanted to be leaders. Qalu, they said, Anna, how is it possible that Yakunu it should be Lahu for him Al Mulku the kingship Alayna over us? How can this man, Talut, have kingship over us? How can he be the king while we be the subjects? Wanahnu, while the reality is that we are Ahakubil Mulki, more deserving of kingship. We are a haqqu, a haqqu from haqqaf qaf, haqq. We have more right than him. When it comes to mulk, when it comes to authority, kingship, we have more right than him. This is one reason they give. We are more deserving. This is just like Iblis said, ana khayrum minhu. I am better than Adam. So these people, the mala, they said, we are more deserving of kingship. Second reason they give, وَلَمْ يُؤْتَ And he has not been given, يُؤْتَ from Hamza Taya, same root as Atu. سَعَةً Abundance, profusion, من المال of wealth. سَعَةً from the root letters Waw, Sinu'ayn, وُسْعَ Capacity, abundance. Right? So he has not been given a lot of wealth. So A, we are more deserving of kingship, and B, he doesn't have much wealth, he's not that wealthy. Now the question is, why do they consider themselves to be more deserving of kingship? Because they were mala'. They were chiefs. They were the elders of the Bani Israel. Because of their age or their lineage or their particular tribe. Remember that the Bani Israel, there were 12 tribes, right? It is said that in one tribe was kingship. All the kings came from that tribe. And another tribe was prophethood. All the prophets came from that tribe. Okay, it is said. Okay, so they said that he is not of that clan, of that tribe from which all the kings have come. We, in fact, are of that tribe. So we should be made king and not he. So in other words, they were saying that his lineage is not good enough. He is not the son of kings. He is not the descendant of kings, so he does not deserve to be kings. So this shows that according to worldly standards, who deserves to be king? Someone whose parents are king, whose father was king, whose forefathers were kings. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a different standard. Allah has a different standard. Someone should be given leadership, not because their mother or their father or their uncle was a leader, their father was the president, their grandfather was a president. No. Someone should be made a leader. Why? Because they are capable of carrying out that responsibility. They are capable of carrying out that responsibility. Likewise, they said that he doesn't have much wealth, whereas we have more wealth. So they thought that if someone is wealthy, they are more eligible. They are more deserving. But is that true? No. Because what does the hadith tell us? That, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَنظُرُ إِلَىٰ صُوَرِكُمْ 
amwalikum. Allah does not look at your faces, your appearance, nor does He look at your wealth. What does He look at instead? What does He look at instead? Your qulubikum wa a'malikum, your hearts and your actions. So they said that walam yu'tasa'atam min al-mal. Why should he be king? The Prophet, he replied to them, قَالَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَاهُ عَلَيْكُمْ Indeed, Allah has chosen him above you. اصْطَفَى صَاد فَى وَاو صَفْوَى Select. So, اصْطَفَى He has selected him, he has chosen him. I did not choose him over you. Allah selected him. So accept him. What does it mean then? That if Allah has chosen someone for a particular task, then we should accept them. Sometimes people are not willing to accept the greatness of, let's say, their uncle or their aunt or their mother-in-law or their father-in-law. Right? They say that, so what if they're my father-in-law? I don't have to listen to them. So what if they're so-and-so? I'm not obligated to listen to them. No, they have a greater status above you. And this relationship, who made that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when Allah has chosen someone, given someone a particular position, a particular status, what is our responsibility that we accept it? So He reminded them that, إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَاهُ عَلَيْكُمْ And you think that He's not capable? He's fully capable. Why? Because وَزَادَهُ And He has increased him, زَيَّادَلْ زِيَادَةً To increase. Allah has increased him, بَسْطَةً بَسِينَطَ Basata, you know, is to expand something. So basatan means vastness, capacity, abundance. So he has increased him abundantly in what? Fil ilmi wal jismi. In knowledge and in body. What does it mean by this? That Allah has given him a lot of knowledge. Allah has given him a lot of knowledge, more than what you have. Wal jism. What does jism mean? Jim seen me, body, physique, physical strength is being referred to over here. That he is physically capable. Now someone who is in the position of being a king, being the leader of a people, what qualities should he possess? What qualities should he possess? Think about it. Intellect, he should be wise, clever, smart. And he has to have knowledge. If a person does not have knowledge, then he cannot fulfill his responsibility. Correct? If a person does not have an MBA, can they be a manager of a company? Can they be? No, it's not possible. If someone has not gone to med school, can they become a doctor? Will they be accepted as a doctor? No. So you need to have the knowledge. You need to have the knowledge first of all. And secondly, Physical ability as well. Physical strength as well. Because imagine the king, he is sick. King is tired. He says, I'm hungry. I need a break. I'm sleepy. I need to take a nap. My head is hurting. He can't bear a headache. He got a cut on his finger. He's like, oh, I need to rest. Can he lead his people then? He cannot. Leadership is not something easy. It seems very attractive. But it's not easy at all. It's a lot of hard work. Leaders have to put in a lot of effort, no matter what kind of leadership it is. Look at a household. The father, the mother, do they live an easy life? 
To the children, it may seem like an easy life. Oh, they wake up whenever they want. They sleep whenever they want. But what are they doing? They're doing the dishes. They're working. And what are you doing? Watching television. Chatting on the computer. Their life is much more difficult compared to yours. Why? Because they have responsibility. Leadership comes with responsibility. And responsibility means hard work. And for that you need strength. You need knowledge. So, وَزَادَهُ بَسْطَةً فِي الْعِلْمِ وَالْجِسْمِ Allah has given him all of the strength, this ability. So he is definitely capable of leading you. And he reminded them that وَاللَّهُ يُؤْتِي مُلْكَهُ And Allah gives his mulk, mulk, kingship, because it's ultimately Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's. So he gives it to who? مَنْ يَشَاءُ To whomsoever he wills. وَاللَّهُ وَاسِعٌ عَلِيمٌ And Allah is wasir. He is vast and he is knowing. What does it mean by wasir? From wus'a. That all of his attributes are vast. When it comes to his knowledge, is it limited? Is it limited? No. When it comes to his forgiveness, is that limited? No. When it comes to his generosity, his giving to people, is that limited? No. When it comes to his mercy, is that limited? Can you quantify that? You can't. Wasir. And he's alim, he's knowing. Now many times it happens that we don't have that wus'a, we don't have that capacity to accept people, to accept certain people. We find it difficult to accept them because of their color, because of their race, because of their name, because of their background. We are not willing to accept them. But who accepts them? Allah accepts them. Allah is wasir. We might feel that, oh, if so-and-so is given a particular position, then it'll be very difficult for us to deal with that, very difficult for us to accept that. And this is why we are biased in the way we treat others. We are not fair in our dealings. We speak to people of a certain skin color and we ignore others. This is not fair. This is not correct. Racism is jahiliya. It is of the actions of the days of ignorance. It doesn't befit believers to discriminate others based on the language they speak, based on the country they come from, based on what their profession is. No, this is not right. The Bani Israel, they were discriminating against Talut. Why? Simply because he was not of the descendants of the kings. And because he was not wealthy enough, he was not rich enough. What does their prophet say? Ignore all of that. Look at his ability. Look at his knowledge. Look at his strength. He is fully capable of performing this task. So you have to accept him because Allah has appointed him. And Allah is wasir. And we see that. That when it comes to salah, everyone has to pray. Men, women, children, regardless of age, regardless of background, regardless of country of origin, it does not matter. So why should it matter when people want to work somewhere, when people want to study somewhere, that we discriminate against them? This is unfair. When a person wants to do something, he should not be discriminated simply because of his background, his or her background. There are people who will not even consider a prospective spouse. Why? Because they come from a particular country. They speak in a particular accent. Oh, he's a fob. Oh, she's a fob. I can't even consider him or her. Why? And if we treat other people like this, then this is a sign that we are arrogant. That we think that we are better. Just like Iblis thought that he was better. أَنَا خَيْرٌ مِّنْهُ I am better than him. So I am not going to accept Adam. I am not going to prostrate to him. 
despite the fact that Adam was better than him in his knowledge. So we see here that people who have knowledge and people who have the ability to perform a particular task, who are qualified, they are the ones who will be given honor and respect. They are the ones who will be accepted for the work that they are willing to do. Not someone who feels that he is deserving simply because of his age, name, country, or whatever. Any other lesson that we learned from this? Another very important lesson is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can bestow His favor upon anyone. We might think that a particular individual is not deserving. Oh, what do they have? They have nothing. I don't think they're capable. They have this fault, they have that fault, they have this weakness, that weakness. But Allah knows the ability that they have that we are unaware of. And Allah can choose them. Allah can give them. When you look at yourself, you might feel that I am capable of nothing. You might feel, oh, I can never do this. I can never do that. But you know what? You may have some strength, some ability, that because of which Allah knows you are capable of a particular task. So when something comes your way, it's a gift from Allah. Accept it. Don't hesitate. Don't stay away. Come forward. Accept it. Because Allah knows the talent that is within you. That maybe you don't even know it exists. So accept others, first of all. Accept them. When Allah has chosen somebody for something, accept them the way they are. And be hopeful. Be hopeful. When you want to do something, ask Allah to put some khair in you. Ask Allah to give you tawfiq. You know Musa alayhi salam, Allah told him to go to Fir'aun. And Musa alayhi salam was afraid because he had murdered somebody in Egypt. He was afraid if he goes, he's going to be killed. And on top of that, when he would speak, he would stutter. So he made dua to Allah, Rabbi shrahli sadri. Oh my Lord, open my heart for me, open my chest for me. Wayasirli amri and ease my task for me. Wahlul uqdatam bil lisani and open the knot that is in my tongue, yafqahu qawli, so the people can understand my word. Musa salam said, Oh Allah, make Harun the prophet. Because he is more eloquent than me when it comes to speech. But Allah said, no, you have to be the prophet. Because you have what he does not have. You have that ability. So Allah still chose him. So you want to do something? Beg Allah. You feel that you're capable of nothing? Still beg Allah. Allah can teach you. Allah can put khair in you. And when tawfiq is coming your way, accept it. And those to whom Allah has given the tawfiq, accept them as well. Don't reject them. Don't be in denial. No, accept them. Okay, let's listen to the recitation. Alam tara ila al-mala'i min bani Israela min ba'di Musa idh qalu linabiyin lahum إذ قالوا لنبي الله مبعث لنا ملكا نقاتل في سبيل الله قال هل عسيتم إن كتب عليكم القتال ألا تقاتلوا قالوا وما لنا ألا نقاتل 
We were learning about the story of Talut and Jalut. The story of the Bani Israel when they went up to their prophet and they requested that a king should be appointed amongst them. Why? So that that king would lead them, they would fight under his leadership and as a result regain their homeland, regain their freedom because whoever their enemy was, what had their enemy done to them? Expelled them from their homeland and also killed many of them. What was the response of the prophet? That it's quite possible that you are obligated, you are commanded to fight, and then what happens? You turn away. You refuse to do it. So what was their response? That why would we not fight? We have every reason to fight because our lands were confiscated, our children were slaughtered. We want to take revenge. We want to take our freedom back. So then what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded them to fight. So now it wasn't just that they wanted to, but it was a religious command for them as well. But then what was the reaction of the people? That most of them, they turned away. How many were left? How many were willing to go out in the way of Allah? Less than a third. Because qaleel. And how much is qaleel? Less than a third. And then their Prophet mentioned to them that Allah has chosen a king for you. And who was that king? Talut. What was the objection of the people? How can he be the king when he's not the most wealthy amongst us? And we are more deserving of being king. Why did they feel they were more deserving of being king? Because they were from the descendants of the kings. And Talut was not of that particular tribe. So according to them, who deserved to be king? Someone who was rich and someone who had that blood. Okay, Someone who had king blood in him. That was their standard. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had a different standard. And what was that? Knowledge and physical ability. Knowledge and strength. Because whenever a person should be selected for any task, it should be based on these two characteristics. Is he knowledgeable of performing that task? Is he aware? Is he qualified? And secondly, does he have that physical ability? Because no matter what work a person is doing, Even if it's mental work, does he not need physical strength? Yes. If a person is sick, can they sit in front of a computer and type? No. If a person is unwell, can they read? No. Can they mark test papers? No. So these two things are necessary. So if we want to serve 
the deen, if we want to benefit the deen in any way, or if we want that Allah should choose us for something, for His work, for His cause, then what are the two things that we must develop in ourselves? Knowledge, skill, and secondly, strength, physical strength. You need to take care of your physical body as well. Many times people neglect their bodies. They don't exercise, they don't eat properly, they don't have good habits, and as a result, they are very unproductive. When it is time to do work, they're sleeping. When everybody is busy, they need your help, this person is asleep, he's tired, he's sitting on the couch watching television. And we see that many times people get frustrated with each other because of this reason. That certain work is expected of an individual, but he is sleeping, or he is too tired, or he is still snacking. So we have to strengthen ourselves, we have to toughen up a little, so that we can be of use to others, and we can also be of use to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these two things we have to develop in ourselves. Knowledge, keep gaining knowledge, keep learning different, different skills, never think that you have learned enough. There's always more to learn. There's always more to read. There's always more to understand. Sometimes people think that now that they have done high school, they don't plan to go to university, they don't need to read any book ever again. They don't need to take any course ever again. No, you need to learn. Likewise, a person may think that now since I'm married, I have a home to look after, I have a kitchen to take care of, I have children to look after, I don't need to study anymore. No, you still need to study. Likewise, people think that just because of their age, or just because of the situation they're living in, they're not able to learn. You can learn anywhere, anywhere, in whatever state that you're in. You know, there were scholars who... When they were jailed for various reasons, sometimes for months, sometimes for years, that is the time when they wrote several books. That is the time when they wrote many, many books, when they contemplated, when they thought, when they reflected, when they read many things. Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, when he was jailed, Ibn Qayyim, his student, he went along with him. Because he said, I want to learn from you. He didn't stay back. He went there so that he could study. A person might think, how can you study in the prison? All you can do is just worry and argue and fight and show your anger. No, they were busy learning and teaching. And they were jailed many, many times in their lives, not just once or twice, multiple times. So the thing is that if a person has that desire that I want to better myself, I want to keep learning, then he will keep doing it until the end of his life. Many scholars we learn about that on their deathbed, they were asking others about different matters. And they were like, even now? Like at this time, you're like almost done. And even now you're asking? And what was their response? I'd rather die while knowing this. And I don't want to die in a state while I'm ignorant of this. So knowledge, keep learning. Keep improving yourself. Keep developing yourself. And as you keep developing yourself, improving yourself, as you keep learning, inshallah, Allah will keep providing you opportunities. You know, people who are working, they could be managers, but what happens? They go and get another certification. They go and get another certification. Why? Because if you want to succeed in life, if you want to keep going up the ladder, then you have to keep improving yourself. You have to keep putting things on your resume. So likewise, if we want to excel 
if we want to go higher in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then we need to keep learning as well. Keep learning. There's no end to this. So for example, once we have studied the first juz, we have to study the second juz of the Qur'an. Once we have studied Surah Al-Baqarah, then we have to study Surah Ali Imran as well. Once we have studied the Qur'an, then we also have to study Hadith. And then after that, we have to study other subjects as well. This never ever ends. Never ends. You know, I have seen my mother... For me, because I'm her daughter and I've learned the Qur'an from her, I've learned many things from her. For me, she's like the most knowledgeable person whom I have ever come across. But I see her whenever she meets any scholar, even if they're much younger than her in age or in experience and even in knowledge, she will become like a student in front of them. She will ask them questions. She will sit in front of them as if she is their student. So this humility we must always have in us. Whenever someone more knowledgeable comes before us, be eager to learn from them. Be eager to learn. And when you will have that humility, Allah will keep teaching you. The Prophet ﷺ was told, وَقُلْ رَبِّ زِدْنِي عِلْمًا And say, O oh my Lord, increase me in knowledge. Because you can never ever learn enough. You can never have enough of knowledge. وَفَوْقَ كُلِّ ذِي عِلْمٍ عَلِيمٍ Above every knowledgeable one is someone who is more knowing. So you think you know a lot, there is always someone who knows more than you. So keep learning and keep excelling. Keep succeeding. So the Prophet, he told them that look, Allah has chosen him because of his knowledge and because of his physical ability. I have not chosen him. I have not selected him. So when Allah has chosen him, then you have to accept him as your leader. But the Bani Israel, they were famous, rather infamous for what? For demanding signs. They always wanted to see signs. That, oh, our Prophet show us some sign that this is the truth. So, وَقَالَ لَهُمْ نَبِيُّهُمْ their Prophet said to them, mulkihi." Indeed the sign of his kingship. Indeed the evidence, the sign that he is truly the king, that Allah has selected him as the king, is what? That the tabut is going to come to you. Because they wanted to be sure that Talut was the king whom Allah had selected. Now obviously Bani Israel were Bani Israel. There were people. Yes, Allah had conferred many favors upon them. But Allah would not tell them that, Oh look, I have chosen Talut for you as the king. It was only through the messenger that they were informed. But they wanted to be even more convinced. So the messenger told them that Allah is not going to talk to you directly now. Telling you, showing you in your dreams or speaking to you directly that Talut is the king. No, Allah will show you a sign that he is the king. So in the ayat mulkihi, indeed the sign of his mulk, that he is the right king, he is the one deserving of this position, and he is the one under whose leadership you will be successful, is that an yatiya kumutabut. Yatiya, hamzataya. What will come to you? A tabut. Tabut is from the root letters tawawba, and tabut is used for a box, a chest. It could be made of wood. It could also be made of a metal. I'm sure you've come across images or even in real life you may have come across a box 
that looks very ancient, like a chest. Many people, they have jewelry boxes. So in that, you put your jewelry. So it's like a box with a lid on top. So the taboot is going to come to you. If the taboot comes, you see the taboot, the box, then that means that Talut is the king. He is the one deserving to be king. Okay? But what is this taboot? Why a taboot? And why not something like a, you know, solar eclipse or lunar eclipse or, you know, the sky turning purple or something like that? Something extraordinary, something very different. You know, that would be a sign for the Bani Israel that, okay, this is the right thing. Why taboot? Because Allah says, فِيهِ سَكِينَةٌ مِّن رَبِّكُمْ In the taboot is sakina. And this sakina مِّن رَبِّكُمْ From your Lord. What is sakina? Sakina from the root letter seen kaf noon. Sukun means peace. Sakina is tranquility. Sakina, tranquility. Peace of mind. Reassurance. So in this taboot is sakina from your Lord. It contains sakina. Doesn't mean that tranquility is given some tangible, some physical form and it's going to be inside the taboot. What it means is that this taboot is going to be a source of peace and comfort for you. It's going to be a source of tranquility for you. That you are going for battle and you're going to face a huge army and you are not even comfortable with Talut being your leader. Now imagine, you are going to perform a very difficult task, and the person who is leading you, you don't trust him. What's going to be the state of your heart? What's going to be the state of your heart? You're not going to be at peace. Now imagine, you're going, driving up a mountain, and who's the driver? Your younger brother, who just got failed his G2 like twice, and now finally he's got his G2. And uh, you're like, okay, we're going to be driving up steep roads and going down. And he loves to drive in a very rash manner. So what am I going to do? How am I going to survive? What's going to be the state of your heart? Unrest. You're going to be afraid. Because you don't trust your brother. And at the same time, the task at hand is very, very difficult. But every time you hold your seatbelt or you see the airbag, you have this sukoon that, okay, never mind. Inshallah, we'll be safe. Okay? So every time you feel your seatbelt, or you realize that, okay, I'm sitting in a big pickup truck, that inshallah should be safe, even if we end up falling on the side or something like that, inshallah, I should not die. So every time you see the seatbelt, whatever, it gives you that reassurance, that inshallah, you'll be fine. Or every time you hold the mushaf in your hand, and you start reading, and you say your adhkar, that gives you that peace, that satisfaction that inshallah you will be safe. So likewise for the Bani Israel, this taboot was a means of sakina. That look, this taboot is there, that means that he is the right king and inshallah Allah's help will be there. So every time they saw the taboot, it was like a means of reassurance for them. That Allah's help is here. This was Allah's decision. Allah chose him, Allah selected him. Inshallah will be fine. Inshallah will be successful. So fihi sakinatun mir rabbikum. It will be a source of sakina for your hearts. It will be a source of tranquility for you, peace of mind for you. And this taboot also has wabakiyatun. It also contains bakiyah. 
And baqiyah from the root letters baqafiyah, baqa to remain, baqiyah is that which remains, remnants, relics, that which has been left behind by someone. So this tabut has baqiyah, the remnants, mimma from that which, taraka he left behind, who? Alu Musa wa alu Harun. The family of Musa and the family of Harun. The family of Musa and the family of Harun, who are they? Who are they? Their descendants. So you can imagine the family of Musa being his immediate tribe, his immediate descendants, or even if not his immediate descendants, but you know, from his descendants. Like for example, the Prophet obviously we know that none of his sons survived him, but his daughters did. So from the descendants of Fatima radiallahu anha, or from the descendants of you can say Ali radiallahu anhu or Abbas radiallahu anhu, the family of the Prophet ﷺ, there are people who claim to be their descendants. There are people who claim to be their descendants. And I'm not arguing about whether they are true in that claim or not. I'm just saying that there are people who claim to be of that noble family. So this is who Al-Musa and Al-Harun were. The descendants of Musa salam, the descendants of Harun salam. No matter how many generations were there in the middle. Now, Typically, the family of someone, what do they inherit from that individual? Whatever he has left behind. His clothes, his shoes, right? His uh, Whatever he has left behind, that is what they have. Now, what is it that the prophets leave behind? Do they leave behind money? If they leave behind any money, that is to be distributed as charity amongst the people. In a hadith, we learned that the prophets of Allah, they do not leave behind dirham or dinar. They do not leave behind money. The prophets of Allah, what do they leave behind? Knowledge, ilm. So this baqiyah, these remnants, some scholars have said it refers to the staff of Musa salam, the shoes of Harun salam, you know, their turban and so on and so forth. But there is no evidence for that. And what the sunnah explains is that the prophets did not leave behind personal belongings. Whatever was left behind was distributed amongst the people of that time. So what it refers to is the knowledge that they left behind. And what was that knowledge? What was that knowledge that Musa salam, Harun salam left behind? The Torah and any other instructions, any other knowledge that they taught to the Bani Israel. And we know that the Torah was given to the Bani Israel in what form? In the form of tablets. Physical form was given to them. So the tabut contains the remnants of what Musa and Harun left behind. In other words, it has some kind of knowledge, instruction in it. Some remnants of the Torah. Now, with regards to this tabut, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that تَحْمِلُهُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ The angels will carry it. تَحْمِلُ حَمِيم لَمْ حَمْل To carry. Because earlier it was said that the tabut will come to you. Now obviously a box, a chest cannot come to you by itself. It has to be brought by someone. So Allah says that this chest is going to be brought by who? By the angels. Now what is this tabut? There are many Opinions concerning this, many scholars have given the explanation of what this tabut is. Some scholars have said that the Bani Israel had this tabut in their possession. And you know, this is just like every time you see the Kaaba, you know, you feel so happy. 
it just gives you peace. Every time you see the mushaf, you feel calm. You feel tranquil. So likewise, this taboot, they had it, and it was a source of comfort for them. It was a source of peace for them. Why? Because it contained the Torah in it. That was, you can say, the container of the Torah. So every time they saw it, they were very happy. But previously, their enemies, what had they done? They had expelled them from their homeland, killed them in great numbers. So the Bani Israel basically lost many things at the hands of their enemies. And amongst those things which they lost was also this taboot. So their messenger told them that, look, Talut is the right king. Under his leadership, you will be victorious. And the sign that Allah has chosen him is that you will be victorious over your enemy and you will retrieve the taboot that you have lost. And how will you regain this taboot? That the angels will bring it for you. تَحْمِلُهُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ That this taboot is going to come back to you, you will regain it, you will retrieve it from your enemy, and the angels are going to bring it. تَحْمِلُهُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ Another opinion is that this would happen, that the angels would bring the taboot when? When the Bani Israel were setting out for battle. When the Bani Israel were setting out for battle. Because before even they set out, they were unsure about Talut. They were not 100% comfortable with him. They didn't trust him. So their messenger told them that, look, the taboot will appear for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send the taboot through the angels. It will appear for you. And that will be a sign that he is indeed the messenger. And this taboot, when you will see it, you will have this you know, peace at heart. You will be at ease with this decision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it will also have the knowledge with which you will benefit. The instructions with which you will benefit on this journey of yours. Ibn Abbas anhu he said that the angels came down while carrying the taboot between the sky and the earth until they placed it before Talut while the people were watching. So when the Talut, when the Taboot came in front of Talut, it was placed before him, the people were sure that, oh, okay, he is the right king. Now you might say, how is that possible? Remember that the Bani Israel were a very different and a very special nation to whom Allah conferred many, many favors. If Allah could send upon them man and salwa, you think it was not possible for Allah to send the Taboot for them? Of course. If Allah caused the clouds to shade over them in the desert for their protection, for their shade, obviously Allah could also have the taboot sent so that they would be comfortable with Talut being their king. So this was a special favor for who? The Bani Israel. So that they would be 100% confident and sure about their leader. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ Indeed in that is لَآيَةً لَكُمْ Surely a sign for you, a sign of what? Of the truthfulness of Talut's kingship. إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ If you should be believers. If you are believers, then this is enough of a sign. What more do you want to see? What more do you want to see? To be convinced of Talut's kingship. Now look at the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He didn't have to show this miracle to the Bani Israel. Did he have to? No. If Allah commanded the Talut should be king, that's enough. That's sufficient. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very, very merciful upon the people. He knows when people have some difficulty accepting something, when they have difficulty in understanding something. And He does not impose something on people. Rather, He explains it to them, makes it more clear to them.
This is just like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us many commands in the Qur'an. And if Allah had wanted, He could have easily decided not to give even a single explanation for any command. But in the Qur'an, what do we learn again and again? ذَلِكَ أَزْكَى لَكُمْ This is better for you, pure for you, cleaner for you. This is khair, this is better. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the explanation, tells us about the wisdom, tells us about the benefits of what He has commanded. For example, fasting. A person might say, it's so illogical to stay hungry from morning until evening. Why should you do that? But what does Allah say? Do it because I've told you? That's it? What does Allah say? لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you may develop taqwa. Allah tells us about so many commands and He says, لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ So that you may be successful. So Allah makes us understand. He doesn't just impose things on us. He makes us understand so that whatever we do, we do it with confidence. We do it with ease. Likewise, when we have to tell somebody to do something, what should we do? What should we do? Explain to them or not? Yes. Tell them the reason behind it or not? Yes. We should tell them the wisdom behind it. For example, children. If we just tell them, let's go. Come on, out, out, let's go. They're like... I don't want to go. And there begins a tantrum. Children are screaming. They're saying, no, no. But if you tell them, we need to go now because it is lunchtime. Or we need to go now because dad is waiting in the car. Then if the children understand, then is it easier for them to accept? Yes. I'm not saying it always works, for children especially, but it does help a lot. Even with adults. If you're told why something is expected of you, it's easier for you to do it. So likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of His mercy, He tells us as well, He makes matters easy for us as well, by explaining things to us. So likewise, the Bani Israel, they weren't just told to accept Talut as king, but Allah showed them through a sign that He is the right king. You will be victorious under His leadership. But the fact is, that it's only the believers who benefit from those signs. From these Reasons that Allah gives from these explanations that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives in the Quran. Because the Messenger said, Inna fi lakum in kuntum If you're believers, then you will see it. You will be convinced by it. But if there is a problem with your iman, then no matter what sign you see, what evidence you see, you're not going to accept. And this is what happened many times. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed many signs to people. But those who don't want to believe, then nothing, nothing at all convinces them. Isa alayhi salam, he showed so many miracles to the people, didn't he? The dead were brought back to life. A person who was blind regained his eyesight. But despite the fact that he showed all those signs, how many people believed? Only a few people. That can be counted on fingertips. Only a few individuals. So, clear evidences, clear signs, they help who? Those people who have iman.